welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Something that I, I usually don't do, and, uh, and when I'm talking to people who uh, are new preachers, generally this is something that I discourage them from doing, but I'm going to do it today. Um, and that is, uh, essentially, I'm, I'm kind of preaching from one verse today. Um, but what I'm going to do, just so that you can have confidence in what we're talking about, uh, I'm going to kind of give you a, a quick summary of the, the couple of chapters uh, that come before it. And we're going to just, I'm going to, uh, I guess, demonstrate to you that the, the message that we're taking out of this verse is consistent with Scripture. It's not something that sort of contradicts other, other verses or anything. So hopefully we'll be safe and we'll be okay and we'll hear what God's wanting to say to us in it. But uh, normally we have to be careful when we just kind of just read one verse and just kind of, uh, we've got to make sure that we're understanding that in the context of Scripture and that it's something that lines up and agrees with Scripture, don't we? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so uh, you can see the title that I've given the message this morning, Who? Me? Um, And uh, and so I'm talking a little, the verse, uh, I'm going to read this verse to you first and then I'm going to kind of do the the summarising and and that kind of stuff first. And it's a, a verse that you've probably heard before, uh, it's a verse that you probably uh, haven't paid a lot of attention to, um, but we're going to kind of look at what it means for us. All right, so here's the verse, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26. So this is, is I'm, I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. Now you might not be very familiar with this one, but it's kind of like a uh, a translation of the Bible where it's kind of... Uh, made it dramatic and passionate and, and so the language uh, at times is really helpful but I really love the way that it explained it here. So he says, beloved friends, what does all of this imply? And I'm going to summarise in a minute the, what, he's, what he's referring to about what, what does all this imply. So he says, when you conduct your meetings, so he's referring to when you, when you get together, like what we do on Sunday morning, what we're doing right now, when we have what we often refer to as church, uh, our, our church gathering, our worship service on a Sunday. When you conduct your meetings, you should always let everything be done to build up the church family. Whether you share a song of praise, a teaching, a divine revelation or a tongue and interpretation, let each one contribute what strengthens others. So that's our, our key verse for today. Uh, you can look that up, compare some other translations and what it says. You probably know uh, another translation or other translations that are probably familiar. Um, you know, it talks about let each one bring a, a psalm or a hymn or a, a revelation. Now when it says... Uh, a, a divine revelation that's not talking about anything overly spooky or mystical. What it's talking about is something that, uh, what it means is something that God has shown you, something that God has helped you to understand. To re- a revelation is something that's been revealed. When you have a revelation, it's like something you didn't understand before and suddenly it's revealed, it's made known, it's shown to you and you understand it. 
And, and don't we, we often find that when we're, we're, we're reading our Bible or when, when God shows us something, sometimes there are things that we go, oh, I've never, never seen that before. I've never kind of really got that concept or seen that scripture that way before. And so and that's, that's what he's referring to when he says a, a divine revelation. It's, it's something that God has showed you. You didn't just figure it out with your own clever noggin. Um, God showed you something. Okay, so in, in the couple of chapters before that, we, we're kind of familiar with some of it. No, we have 1 Corinthians 12, where he's talking about the body. And he's, he's writing to this church that is a bit of a mess, and there's all kinds of uh, stuff going on within this church. But he's writing to them and he's explaining that each person has their place. And even even before that, in, in chapters 10 and 11, he's, he's, there's some scriptures in there about communion. And some of the things that were going on in this church was that there was this division between the haves and the have-nots, between the, the wealthy and the poor. And he was saying, you, you wealthy people, you're coming and, you know, you're having a big feast when you gather together for the meal. And yet, you know, your, your brothers who've got very little are kind of coming with nothing and they're going hungry while you're having this big feast. And so there's this division where you're kind of not looking out for each other, you're not seeing each other as members of the one body, you're seeing yourself as an individual who comes to meet together with other individuals. And he says we need to change that kind of thinking, we need to change that attitude, change that mindset to we are actually all part of the one thing, all part of the one body, we're different parts and we all have different parts to play, we don't all look the same and talk the same and, and do exactly the same stuff. You know, we have different jobs and we have different personalities and we have different likes and dislikes and we, we all have, you know, a different favourite song and, you know, one or two of you might have the same one but, you know, I reckon if we probably went around the room we'd probably have quite a, a large selection of different songs that were our favourites, I reckon that'd probably be pretty true, wouldn't it? But it's, he kind of, so, and so he goes through this in chapter 12, he's talking about how, you know, just because I'm not this doesn't mean I don't have a place in the body of Christ. And he's saying, you know, don't, don't compare yourself with um, one another. We talked a little bit about that last week, you know, when you come to think about what place you, you have within the body of Christ, when you come to think about your function and your role and, and your gifts, he's talking about spiritual gifts, and he's saying when you talk about what gift you have to come and contribute and bring to the church, don't compare it with somebody else's. You know, don't go, well, I'm not a, uh, a musician or a worship leader or, a, you know, I'm not a, uh, a person who can stand up the front and preach an awesome sermon or, I, you know, I can't play the piano or the guitar or the drums or, you know, whatever, um, or the ukulele or the saxophone or, you know, whatever it might be. But, uh, you know, so, so instead of focusing on, on others, focus on what has the Holy Spirit given me to bring? What do I have to bring? But then he goes on in chapter 13 and, and we kind of, we're very familiar with chapter 13 or at least parts of it where he talks about love. He says, you know, love is patient, love is kind. But he starts off chapter 13 by saying, it doesn't matter how gifted I am or, you know, I can, you know, can have all these wonderful talents and special spiritual abilities but if I'm not doing it out of love, uh, I'm, I'm useless. I'm, more, I'm worse than useless, I'm annoying and useless. 
And, and so he says, all of these things, all, all of these gifts are, are great and all of these things that we contribute and all of our uniqueness and all of our differentness and all of our individuality and, and, and stuff that we bring to the body is great, but sometimes, don't we know, it's tricky to get people to work together. It's tricky to get people who think differently and have different personalities and different uh, learning styles and working styles and different attitudes to all kind of work together. You know, you've probably heard it said that, you know, you get 10 people in the room and you have 10 different opinions uh, (laughs) around the table and sometimes that's not easy. But there's supposed to be, uh, as, as we come together with love, what ties all of our differentness and uniqueness together is the love that we have for one another and demonstrate for one another. Because without love, what we're inclined to do is look out for number one. We look out for ourselves, and we kind of have this tendency to act selfishly and in competition with one another. It's kind of our, our, our humanness that comes out. And it's kind of like, well, you know, what about my gift? You know, where's the space for my gift? And where's the space for me? And who's paying attention to me? And, you know, and where do I get to do my bit? It kind of becomes the attitude. Or, you know, well, there's a whole different range of things that could come in. Maybe it's, uh, you know... Maybe, maybe we're more uh, in the, you know, why should I do anything? You know, why, <laughs> why should I make an effort? You know, what's in it for me? You know, sometimes that attitude comes out a little bit too, doesn't it? Why should I go to all that trouble? You know, I'm sure none of us have ever thought that. But the focus, on, focus is on me. But when, when as, as Paul says, when we, when we act and we do things and we... Uh, from a place of caring about other people, from a place of love, uh, when we exercise our gifts out of that, instead we look for opportunities to actually to, to build somebody else up. We look for opportunities to, to bless someone. We look for opportunities to help somebody else, to strengthen uh, another person. And the focus comes off of me and what really wasn't my gift anyway, but was from the Holy Spirit for the church, not for me, uh, but my focus comes off of me and, and becomes onto the people that are around me and how I can help you, how I can build you up, how, how can I exercise my gift in a way that makes you stronger, how can I exercise my gift in a way that draws you closer to God, how can I exercise my gift in a way that uh, you know, helps you to discover who Jesus is. So then we come to 1 Corinthians 14 and he begins to kind of get specific now and talking about uh, what that ought to look like in the church. And he encourages us as believers to start to to think about or, or to seek God, to ask God for spiritual gifts that will build up the church. He says, when you come together, seek God for the gifts that will help other people around you. And he particularly starts to get, start, start to get into talking about tongues and prophecy and bringing God's Word and what God wants to say into our meetings when we gather together. Ultimately, isn't that what we really need to hear? You don't need to hear my thoughts. 
You don't need to hear what, what I think about stuff or my words. What you really need to hear uh, and what I need to hear is what God thinks and what God wants to say to us. And that is one of the, the, the big reasons that we come together, while we gather together, is to hear through each other because that's how God speaks. Very often, God speaks through His people. He speaks through people who are willing to listen and be His mouthpiece and His, you know, uh, to speak prophetically. And that can happen in a whole number of different ways. And that's when we come to this. And He says, Beloved friends, what does all this imply? When you conduct your meetings, you should always let everything be done to build up the church family. Whether you share a song of praise, a teaching, a divine revelation or a tongue and interpretation, let each one contribute what strengthens others. You see how that fits in with all of that other stuff that he's been talking about. So all of this means that when we actually get together, we should have this expectation that we will be part of what God is doing in our meeting. Now, I don't know what you thought you were coming to church for today. I don't know what you thought your purpose was in being here. Maybe your purpose was to hear a great sermon. You know, I can't blame you for that. I mean, come on. Par for the course, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe you love to sing songs or, you know, maybe you like the coffee after church. I don't know. It's pretty good coffee. Not that I'm an expert. Um, You know, I'm not sure. But I wonder how often you have come to church and gone and, and thought about beforehand and prayed and asked God and said, God, who do you want me to encourage today? And I suspect that there's probably a lot of us that didn't necessarily come to church thinking about what we were going to give out, what we were going to contribute. This principle that that Paul establishes in uh, this verse in in 1 Corinthians 14.26, it is something that he talks about and and references in other places. I'll show you one, one verse and you can look up others and find others. I'm sure that some of you are probably, you think of others that tie in and are consistent with this. But this one is uh, one that I want to show you this morning. It's Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. And he writes to the church at Philippi and he says, Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others as well. Now, that can be applied in a whole range of different scenarios, can't it? You know, you might apply that to, you know, if you're a small business owner, you might think, well, you know, you can apply this uh, scripture in terms of your occupation and go, well, I shouldn't just be concerned about my business, But I should also, you know, if I see my Christian brother or my Christian sister who's also runs a small business and there's a struggling, I should also be thinking about what I can do to help them out as well. Maybe we can apply uh, apply this kind of the principle and the concept to marriage, you know, and go, you know, do I see 
somebody who's who's struggling a bit in their marriage or in their family in uh, something, and you know, instead of just being like, well, you know, I'm I'm obviously a better uh, husband than what that guy is because my marriage is awesome, you know, I don't have struggles, you know. Instead of being smug because I happen to be doing well right now, not that I always do, but uh, you know, and kind of having the attitude of like, how can I help my Christian brother? How can I look out for his interests and how can I be concerned about what's good for him as well as just being concerned about doing what's good for me? And that doesn't mean like, you know, getting all preachy and telling him what he's doing wrong and, you know, and that kind of thing. That might not necessarily be what's the most helpful thing for him. You know, it might be, you know, uh, going and saying, look, you know, hey, here's a, you know, this, this book really helped me when I was struggling with this and, you know, maybe this is something that could help you as well or, you know, offer to look after the, the kids or something so they can have a date night or, you know, like, why, I don't know, get creative. Like, when it comes from that, that heart, that attitude of how can I help, um, then, then we look to be a blessing. We're thinking about what, how can I help that person to to be stronger, or you know, closer in their walk with God, or to in that situation that they're struggling with right now. But we can also apply this concept to when we come together as a church. You know, because there are so many ways that we can contribute. And you might be sitting here this morning and kind of thinking, well, you know, I'm not a musician, I'm not a preacher, you know, there's already people making coffee today, so, you know, what is there that I can contribute? I want to kind of, um, just a couple of, couple of suggestions, very briefly, all right? Uh, the first is, as Paul says, ask God for spiritual gifts that will build up the church. Paul tells us that desiring spiritual gifts is a good thing to do. He says that's fantastic. You, know, you, you go and read through those chapters and you'll see a number of times where Paul says, yes, eagerly desire spiritual gifts that will build up the church. He says that's, that's a fantastic thing. Desire the greatest gifts. Seek after them. Seek God. Pray for them. Ask. Expect. Be listening God, do you want to say something through me this morning to the church? That's not a pride thing. It's not like, oh, I'm better than everybody else because God's going to talk through me. It's going, God, if you want to do something, I'm here. And I'm willing to speak, even if it's hard, even if it's a bit embarrassing, even if it's a bit awkward. God, even if I run the risk of getting it wrong... I'm willing to have a go if that's what you ask me to do. It's about learning to hear God's voice. Prophecy, being, speaking prophetically doesn't have to be a super scary thing. It's not supposed to be. Corinthian church were doing it all the time and they got it wrong a lot, I suspect. <laughs> but they were learning and, and they were open and they were willing to, to have a go and be used by God. And I suspect that there were a great many things that were spoken out in that church that impacted people's lives in a powerful way. And if we stay silent because we are afraid that we might get it wrong, 
then we absolutely guarantee that nobody will be blessed or benefited by anything that comes out of our mouth because nothing is coming out of our mouth. Does that make sense? I suspect that that many of us here today are actually uh, are not that bad at, at hearing God's voice. And I suspect that many of us hear God speaking to us in different ways throughout the day, throughout the week, for us. And then we come to Sunday, and or we come to God says, you know, now share that with that person. And we go, oh, I couldn't do that. Don't we do that? It's like, they might think I'm weird. It might mean nothing to them. I might have got it wrong, you know. And, and so we, we're getting this encouragement from God and God's speaking to us, whether it's through His Word or through a, a song or through a message that we've watched on TV or something we've listened to on the radio or a book that we're reading or, you know, God just drops thoughts into our, into our minds and into our heart and we go, oh yeah, thanks for that, God. And we never really, we, somehow that's, that's, that's a different when we kind of go, all right, you know, do I have, is God putting something on my heart to share with others? We go, well, I don't know how to do that. And really it's the same thing that we're doing all the time. The things that He's putting into our heart, our mind, and He just says, well, I just want you to share that with somebody else as well. So it doesn't have to be so scary. It doesn't have to be too scary. The other thing that you can do is to encourage somebody. You have great opportunities to encourage people. I'm going to give you a, uh, a couple of examples but there's a, a, a scripture that we know well, and it's Hebrews 10.25, and it says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Do you see in that verse, you have, he says, don't neglect meeting together, and it's almost like what's the opposite of not coming to church? So you have not coming to church or neglecting meeting together and what does he contrast that with? Does he say, let us not neglect our meeting together, let us make sure that we gather regularly and sing songs? Does he say, let us not neglect our meeting together but let us make sure that we go to church and listen to a sermon? No. He says, let us not neglect meeting together but encourage one another. It's almost like, if I didn't know better, I'd think he was saying that encouraging one another was the point of meeting together. It kind of sounds a little bit like that, doesn't it? And and so there's this implication as if this is one of the, the key purposes of gathering for church. One of the key things that is supposed to happen is that we encourage one another okay so how do we do that you know it's it's it doesn't just mean um oh you know hayden i really like your shirt today looks cool man like that's a compliment but and he might find it encouraging and that that may be something that we could do but it's a little bit more than that isn't it how do we encourage one another you might not have the platform. You might not have the remote that operates the PowerPoint. You might not have a microphone. 
But there are lots of ways that you can encourage each other. You can encourage other people during worship. Have you ever thought about that? You know, there are ways, like you've got usually five or six people up here that are looking at you. At least some of the time. Not all of the time. (laughs) It's all right. It's not like a staring contest or something. But, you know, there, there are people up here that see you. And how you choose to engage and participate in worship can either encourage or discourage the people that are up here on the platform. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes we don't think about that, do we? Sometimes we're just like, well, I'm not really feeling it today. And we sit there and like, you know, (laughs) it's not my favourite song. I'm not really into this one. And we just sit there and have a frown and, you know... And we don't think about the effect that that's having on other people. So we have these opportunities to encourage other people. People around you, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where um, you've been sitting next to somebody in church who is super into it and is super enthusiastic. Now, I don't know how that might affect you. (laughs) But generally, I get really encouraged by that. Generally, I find that a really positive thing. One of the, one of the, the great memories that I have is uh, when I was reasonably young, um, back in uh, 1993, um, before marriage and before children, and I was still in school. Um, but I had the opportunity to go to a Hillsong conference. And... Uh, and it was great. Went off to Sydney, went with a mate, left the parents behind. I was, you know, freedom and, uh, and I think they were quite happy for me to experience freedom in that kind of sense. Um, but uh, th- there was something really incredible, you know, and, and I think it was like this, it was a massive auditorium. Like there were been thousands of people there. There was a main floor and then there was like three balconies up around the sides um, and just being... Uh, in that kind of environment where you can sing as loud as you want and nobody is going to hear you. <laughs> you can sing, you can belt it out at the top of your lungs. Like maybe the very one person right in front of you, they might hear you, but nobody else is. You know? uh, you're, you're just part of the, the crowd and the, there's a freedom that comes with that. And some of you are going, oh, that sounds terrible, like noisy, uh, give me like headphones or something, I don't know, but... That there's a freedom that comes that when, when the place just lifts, you know, you guys, you guys down the front here, you know what it's like when you, you, you don't normally make a habit of coming and like jumping around and dancing and stuff at the front of church, do you? That, that's not normal behaviour, is it? No, unless you're at youth camp and there's like already like 30 other teenagers that are jumping around and, and worshipping God and, you know, and then suddenly it's okay to do that. <laughs> isn't it? And it's not weird and it's not, you know, you don't feel self-conscious because like lots of other people are doing it as well. Sometimes we have this wonderful opportunity to actually encourage the people, not just that are looking directly at us from from the the stage and, and, you know, leading our worship, but somebody alongside of you or somebody behind you. I'm, I'm not suggesting that we pretend. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not up here and I'm saying, you know, just, just fake it for the sake of excitement and hype. And I'm, I'm not into hype. And I think hopefully you guys know me well enough to know that that's not what I'm saying this morning. But I am saying 
that there are times when we can make a choice, when we can choose to engage, when we can choose to participate, that we can remember that it's not just all about me, but that we are worshipping together. Yeah? All right. There's also times when you can encourage somebody before church. You know, have you ever thought about the fact that when new people come to a church for, a first to- for the first time, they usually get here a few minutes early to make sure they don't get embarrassed by like walking in during the middle of something? And I wonder sometimes uh, about their first impressions and what they see and, and who they're going to talk to and who's going to greet them and who's going to make them feel welcome, who's going to encourage them and make them feel more comfortable. So we have that opportunity to come and, and chat and, and sometimes that's a time when um, often our, our leaders are tied up. Our leaders are, are, are busy getting organised. Sometimes I'm still you know, putting finishing touches on what I'm going to share for the, for the morning. Sometimes our, our music team is off in the prayer room uh, or, or things like that or you know, th- things are going on. And sometimes that can be a great opportunity for you to step in and, and be that person that greets somebody or welcomes somebody or encourages somebody, whether they're new or whether they're not new. Um, I was going to say old, and then I thought I better not say old. <laughs> Less new. <laughs> and, and I think that kind of goes, you know, for, for after church as well. You know, we have opportunities to, to encourage people and say, hey, how you going? You know, I've been, been praying for you and been thinking about you um, during the week or was thinking about you this morning. You know, are you doing well? Are you good? Or, you know, whatever. Uh, are you the kind of person that, that uh, thinks about those opportunities before you come to church? Are you someone who prays about those opportunities and what that might look like during the week. I wonder if maybe that kind of intentionality, if, if we started to actually to pray and ask God about what we were going to contribute that Sunday, if we started being a bit more deliberate about that and thinking about that and giving that a little bit more time and space, how that might change our our meetings and our gatherings together. Uh, There's a guy called Kerry Newhoff. Anybody heard of Kerry Newhoff? He's a a, a Christian, American guy. He's a a Christian writer. He's got a a website. He writes lots of articles and books and and things like that and and sometimes he likes to uh, give his articles somewhat provocative titles to get your attention and he wrote an article recently that I read um, called, uh, hang on, Why Attending Church No Longer Makes Sense. (laughs) Now, uh, it, it's probably a little bit, uh, you know, kind of. Sometimes he kind of likes to be, you know, generate discussion. I would say that title probably, you know, could generate discussion. But he's not actually saying. Uh, I, I get. Let, let me try and summarise the the point of his article. I encourage you go and go and read it. He's a he's a great writer. But uh, his point is that if you're only coming to church to be a consumer of a sermon or a a song or an experience, then you can do that anywhere at any time. 
with technology these days, you can watch something online, you can watch something on your phone. On two o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, you can stream a church service. If all you're doing is being a consumer, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to, to get up Sunday morning and to give up that time when it might not be convenient to come and, and attend church. And so he talks about this concept of switching from being consumers of church to being contributors. And, and so he talks about this idea that, um, that there's kind of two main things that he suggests are reasons why we should really still come to church and, and not give up. That's the, the, even though he says, you know, why attending churches uh, no longer makes sense, his point really is that we still need church. He says there are two things. One is that, you know, you can bring somebody with you. And two is that you, become, you, you need to switch from being a consumer to a contributor. And both of those things really are about somebody else. Both of those things really about how I can give out and not receive. Or well, less about receiving anyway, isn't it? Um, he references, uh, there's another... Uh, person that's part of his uh, church leadership team, a, a lady named Sarah Piercy. And uh, she wrote an article called What You Never Know You Miss by Skipping Sunday Morning. And I want to read just a little bit of, of what she wrote. She says this, she says, We can be a Christian and not actively participate in the local church. Our salvation is not dependent on that. It's dependent on Jesus. But there's more at stake than that. Imagine this. Your life is a babbling brook. It twists and turns and bubbles and splashes. It's beautiful, but it has little strength. But what happens when you cross paths with another brook? And another, and another. Something bigger starts to happen. Something one babbling brook can't do on its own. Momentum happens. Then power happens. Then Niagara Falls happens. <laughs> Did you know Niagara Falls generates enough energy to power almost four million homes? No babbling brook does that. <laughs> in the same way, hundreds or thousands of people moving in the same God-given direction is powerful. And it doesn't happen when we are disengaged. When I miss Sunday mornings, I miss how God is moving our church community to action. When I miss the host's welcome, connecting opportunities and the stories of God at work, I miss getting to be part of it because I don't know how. I don't want to miss being part of the power and movement of God's church. Plus, if I'm not there, then how can I bring anyone with me? So she talks about, isn't that a powerful image? That, that, that kind of, you know, we might just be one little stream meandering around. We don't feel like we're going to really generate a whole lot of power on our own. But as we gather together, as we come together, as we connect and we're on the same page, we hear and we see and we connect with God, what God is doing through our church community. And there's power in that. I want to challenge you just for something different. 
to, to think about this. I guess during this week and, uh, and, and hopefully not just this week, but in, in the, the weeks to come, maybe this is something you already think about. If you do, that's great. That's fantastic. Please continue to do that. But I know that there are, are, are many of us that we come to church and we think about, you know, I wonder if I'll get anything out of the sermon today. I wonder if I'll enjoy the worship time today. And I, wonder if, I want to suggest that we need to perhaps be a little bit more intentional about switching that mindset from a consumer mindset to a contributor mindset and start praying, start asking God and saying, God, what, what, what are you going to give me for somebody else this Sunday? How are you going to direct me to encourage somebody else this Sunday? Now, I get that sometimes we're in a place where we don't have as much capacity. Sometimes there's stuff going on in our lives and it really is all we can do just to get there and sometimes we don't even manage that. I get that. I understand that. I'm not saying that, you know, we have to be 110% on on top of our game every single week. That's unrealistic um, and that just puts pressure on us to pretend and be fake. All right. I, I, don't, I don't want to encourage anybody to do that. I know that there's times. But I think there is a lot of time where we don't come with this mindset and we don't come with this attitude simply because we haven't thought about it. And it's not because we're struggling. It's not because we don't have capacity. It's just because it never occurred to me. I never thought about it that way. It, it's a habit. And if we can get into that mindset where, you know, yes, there'll be some weeks where we we might not be able to do that, but if we can go as often as I can, as often as I have capacity to, I'm going to look for opportunities. I'm going to see even, no matter how small or how big it might be, I want to find some way where I come and I give my bit to what church is on Sunday. Let's pray. Father, sometimes it seems a little bit strange the way that you have put church together, the way that you bring different people together and and expect that there'll be harmony and love. But God, your Spirit helps us. So we ask this morning that you would be helping us Lord, challenging us at times uh, as, we, as we think about this idea during the week, as we begin to talk uh, and ask you about these things, about what you want us to bring, what you want us to give, what you want us to contribute. I pray that you would help us to lay down some of our own desires at your feet that you would help us to be in that place where we are willing to make some sacrifices, to let go of uh, looking after me, to be willing to to step outside of our, our comfort zone and what is easy and what is familiar and what is comfortable in order to do what you're calling and challenging us to do to step up, to be, a, to be a blessing and to be an encouragement to somebody else, 
to smile, to, to speak a word, to, to, to make a cup of coffee, to, to, to engage in, in worshipping that we might bless somebody or encourage somebody else around us who maybe is, is shy or is struggling. Lord, that as we seek to, to, to give to the spiritual atmosphere instead of only taking from the spiritual atmosphere, Lord, I pray that you would give us that wisdom and discernment to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with you and to make a change. Father, I pray that you would be working in our hearts. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would make me less like me and more like Jesus. We pray this together in his mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.